Hey, welcome back to Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. And uh, we are uh, recording right now on Wednesday, early afternoon, shortly after the news broke of uh, the Chiefs trading Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, which has obviously mammoth implications anyone in dynasty leagues understands that anyone in redraft leagues it's never too early to start thinking about it and so for the next 20 minutes or so cats and i are going to walk through what we believe are the most likely ramifications fantasy wise for about maybe a dozen players uh, on both of these teams because there are going to be significant ramifications in an alternate universe hill will be back with the chiefs in 2022 and in that alternate universe uh, we can estimate what might happen based on previous years and looking forward. But with Hill on a new team and the Dolphins of all teams with uh, an unproven dynasty franchise quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa, it will be very interesting to see how he and Waddle mesh together and with Tua. And it will be very interesting to see what a Patrick Mahomes-led passing attack looks like without his number one target. Katz, uh, what's your immediate reaction fantasy-wise? If you, let's say, have every player that we're about to talk about in your dynasty league, God help you if you do. But if you do, who are you the most excited about keeping after this trade? Who who do you think value-wise just spikes as a result of this? The obvious one is, is Tua. He's the quarterback. He's the one who benefits from having this abundance, the, the, uh, an abundance of weapons to use on offense. For fantasy, we prefer consolidated target shares. We like a situation where we have a guy like Devontae Adams when he was on the Packers. As the only guy, we know that there's no one else really to throw to. But in real life, a quarterback would love a situation where he has Tyreek Hill, where he has Jalen Waddle, where he has... Uh, Mike Kosicki, Chase Edmonds, all these guys, it only benefits a quarterback because it doesn't matter who he throws to for fantasy. If you have Tua, you get all the points regardless. So uh, last year, Tua was QB2. He had a couple weeks where he was uh, fantasy relevant. But for the most part, it, it wasn't it wasn't the like the breakout year that many were hoping to see from Tua. He only averaged 14.5 fantasy points per game. This year, you have to think that it's going to be better. I mean, Tyreek Hill matters. He matters a lot. And the comparison that I've been drawing is specifically to 2017 Alex Smith. Remember, Alex Smith was never known for his downfield prowess or as this guy who, uh, who captains a prolific passing attack. He was just a random you know, streamer, maybe, at best. That year, he finished... Based on fantasy points per game, minimum eight games played, QB three, average 20 fantasy points per game. I'm not saying Tua can get there, but I'm saying it's within the range of outcomes. It's funny you bring up Alex Smith because the next year when Patrick Mahomes was going to start, uh, Mahomes' uh, average draft position in fantasy drafts was 17. And people did not comprehend. And I admit I was one of uh, th- those people. I It was a blind spot. But if Alex Smith could be a, could be a QB three in that offense, surely even an untested young quarterback 
could do comparably well at minimum. Um, and that's no knock on Alex Smith, but obviously Mahomes we knew was a good player. It's just fascinating that uh, we're now going to see Mahomes without Hill to see what kind of quarterback he can be. Um, I, I agree with you about Tua. He is a huge winner. Those who have uh, rostered Tua in dynasty leagues now have uh, two of the top 11 receivers in the AFC from 2021 and after the catch yards. Both of those guys are terrific after the catch if you are if you have a fantasy quarterback, you want uh, uh, guys, first of all, you want guys who don't drop passes. We've seen quarterbacks value uh, uh, drop tremendously uh, on teams where their receivers just have trouble catching the ball, especially their top receivers. Um, but in addition to that, you want guys who can make moves after the catch. We've seen, we saw what happened with the Bengals, with Jamar Chase and some of his acrobatics. We've seen that uh, in flashes with other players. You know, Debo Samuel is a perfect example. Um, you want those guys, and with Waddle and Hill, Tua now has two arguably top 12 NFL receivers to throw to, uh, which puts them in rarefied company uh, and, and really sets them up to be, um, I would put them uh, in the top 14 right now, Cats, and I would want to see how this gels going into the summer. And I'd want to believe he could be top 10, maybe even top eight. But right now I'm being a little more conservative and saying top 14. Are you more ambitious than I am on that? Or is that around where you are? It's still too early for me to assign any ranking to him. This is more about a perception of an increase in value. And I think one of the knocks on Tua going into this season was going to be for a fantasy quarterback, you need splash play upside. And the 2021 version of Tua did not have that. He only averaged 2.2 deep ball pass attempts per, per game. But here's the thing. it's I don't think it's fair to assume that that's just going to hold up because Tyreek Hill's presence matters. As an example, 2016, this was Tyreek Hill's rookie year, by the way. Alex Smith, just 3.1 deep ball pass attempts per game. All of a sudden, Tyreek shows up. That jumps to 4.5 the very next season when Tyreek broke out. So I am expecting That's a big number right there. That's good. Exactly. I'm I'm expecting Tua to throw the ball downfield more, especially with a head coach like Mike McDaniel, who knows how to utilize a player like Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't want to compare Tyreek Hill to Debo Samuel because physically, like they're very different players size-wise, but it's more of the usage. And we saw Mike McDaniel use Debo Samuel as a straight running back. We saw him use him in the slot, on the outside, in motion on the jet sweeps, everything. That's exactly how Tyreek Hill should be used. And I'm actually optimistic that he could use Tyreek Hill even better than Andy Reid did in terms of the um, the complexity of the types of uh, positions he's put in to succeed in the offense. Now, uh, shifting over to uh, Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki, uh, Waddle is someone I actually had in my top five going into this uh, coming season among receivers, if that sounds ridiculous to some of you listening, uh, look at what he did uh, after uh, the Dolphins committed to throwing to him around week five. Um, he was an elite uh, fantasy wideout. He was the passing game for all intents and purposes. Um, and uh, and there's no reason why Waddle, before he'll arrive, there's no reason why Waddle couldn't be 120 catch, 1300 yard, eight touchdown receiver in his second year in terms of just his projected numbers. If you look at what he did starting around week five, week six last year. So the question now is, you know, the Tyreek Hill impact. And then you add in Mike Kosicki, who had a very healthy 112 targets. 
wasn't big on the fantasy board, but he still almost got 800 yards. It just didn't show up in fantasy because he had only two scores. I see Waddle as kind of a holding steady as a high-end WR2 in this offense, maybe a mid-range WR2. And I see uh, Gesicki getting fewer targets, poss- quite possibly fewer yards, but I see his touchdowns increasing. I think this is going to be a case where Tua's got a lot more options near the goal line than he did last year. And uh, and I think Gesicki becomes more useful in that area, but not as much on the targets and the yards. So I think it's a wash for Gesicki. It's a slight downgrade for Waddle. But dynasty-wise, you're still looking at two receivers who should be drafted on the higher end uh, for the next several years. Uh, Katz, any final thoughts on those two? It's very early. I think my knee-jerk reaction to Waddle might have been to downgrade him too much. Obviously, he is no longer the wide receiver one. That is Tyreek Hill. There's no one that's going to dispute that. But that doesn't mean Waddle is somehow very sneaky. I was surprised when I looked over the stats from last year and saw that the Dolphins between Tua and Jacoby Brissett actually attempted 615 passes. That that I thought they were going to be a more run-oriented offense. And this is very encouraging because if they can get the 600 pass attempts again, then we can see both Tyreek and Waddle very much thrive in this offense. My concern is still, though, I don't know if Tua can support more than two to two and a half fantasy relevant pass catchers. And we know Tyreek and Waddle are going to be there. So my concern is for Gasticki. I completely agree yeah. with your assessment about the touchdowns. The overall quality of the offense will result in Gasicki catching more than two or three touchdowns. That, that's going to happen by virtue of them being in the red zone. But this 18.6% target share he saw last year, I struggle to see him maintaining that. Same thing with Waddle at 24.8%. I think that goes down also. I mean, Tyreek's got to push that 30% number. So if we're dropping Waddle down to maybe 22%, if it's if there's 600 pass attempts, that puts him around 130-ish targets. Still very good. But for a guy who saw 140 as a rookie, we're kind of hoping to see that go up to maybe 160 even his second year. But as, as the wide receiver, too, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I still need a little more time to digest what all this means, especially when I go through my projections, which I'm going to do probably in May or June. But for now, I'm thinking Tyreek Hill, low wide receiver one, Jalen Waddle mid maybe to mid to low wide receiver too but that may be too conservative so don't hold me to that just now i will never hold you to anything cats and i will i'll throw out two more things before we shift to the chiefs uh uh, we have to remember that the running game last year for miami was one of the worst in the league um led by uh, miles gaskin at 3.5 yards a carry they were second to last in yards per carry as a team uh, uh, Ahmed had like 3.1, Philip Lindsay, I think had 2.9 or 2.8 yards to carry. This was a team that could not be relied on, uh, uh, with the exception of a couple big, uh, pass catching games from Gaskin. I think one game he had like 12, 13, 14 receptions, whatever it was, maybe it was nine. I'm exaggerating, but, uh, uh, this is generally considered to be an upgrade with, with Chase Edmonds. And we can assume that the running game will somehow be better. Uh, especially with the huge uh, uh, acquisition they had of, of uh, uh, Armstead yesterday uh, uh, at on the offensive line, that they should now be able to generate a better running game, which could actually reduce the number of throws uh, that Tua makes. Another thing to think about real quick is that Tua's uh, pass attempts dropped pretty dramatically in the second half last season. Um, and uh, And there is some question whether uh, the Dolphins will completely uh, take off the reins uh, for him in this offense, uh, 
or they will still somehow make him too much of a game manager for their own protection and for Tua's protection. Uh, that uh, that if, if the running game is doing well and the defense is holding up, we could see situations where instead of a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, where uh, even if they're up 20, Mahomes might still be thrown in the fourth quarter, uh, we might see a case where Tua really is putting on the brakes and letting the running game take over. And that is a concern, and we don't know yet how the defense is going to fare, but that is a potential concern going into this season, just something to track. Uh, shifting now to the Chiefs, uh, uh, who is the biggest winner? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Juju Smith-Schuster, who I love now in this offense, unless they draft somebody. Uh, who could step right in and be a pseudo number one uh, com- to compete with Juju on the, on the wide outside. What are your thoughts, Cats, uh, in terms of how this Chiefs receiving core shakes out without Hill? I was actually very, very excited about Juju this year before today. And this all has to do with value. And from a fantasy perspective, everything is related to value. Juju belongs in the wide receiver two role. I think at this point in his career, he's proven he's talented enough to produce. But we've only seen him produce alongside Antonio Brown, alongside elite Antonio Brown with a not-washed Ben Roethlisberger. When Juju had to be the wide receiver one, it just didn't work out. And I was really excited to see him operate as the wide receiver two opposite Tyreek Hill. Now, he's thrust back into the wide receiver one role, and I think he's very much miscast there. And the problem is... It's not that he's not going to produce. It's that I think the perception from the fantasy community and how well Juju will produce is going to exceed what he is more likely to do in that role. I do think you're speaking straight to me on that, by the way, because I'm obviously uh, excited. You're telling me to tamp down my excitement. A, a little bit. And it's, it's, it's purely because of how people will react. It's, it has nothing to do with Juju. If he maintained his like projected ADP. I don't, I actually don't even know where he was going to go if Tyreek stayed around, but now I think he may get as high as even possibly the third round, depending on what the chiefs do. And, and that's just, there's, there's, he's, that's not going to, it's not going to work for me. I I can't take him that high. I do think the chiefs will draft a receiver. I think that's a foregone conclusion, but who will they draft? Are they going to, are they going to take a guy like Calvin Austin to try to replace Tyreek Hill just like they did with McCole Hardman, which didn't work. Or are they going to go a different direction? Maybe take a true dominant physical outside receiver that can allow Juju to play the slot more often and to play that complementary role. But even so, our defense is going to treat a rookie like a wide receiver one. No matter no matter who it is, I think they're going to view Juju as that wide receiver one, which means he gets top coverage, which means I'm concerned that he'll be overvalued in 2022 fantasy drafts. Um, and uh, uh, building on what you're saying, and I agree, I, I would not... Uh, I'm not so bullish on Juju that I think he should go that early. Um, I was thinking his ADP would probably be around 40 with Tyreek Hill because the idea is Juju and Nicole Hardman still going to be sitting around there getting his, you know, 80 targets, 700, 800 yards. And so there would still be the sense of Juju might be more of a glorified Byron Pringle over a full season, which means somewhere around, 80 904 or something like that um but this obviously puts him you know the spotlight on him as a potential number one to enter the season and i agree with you he did not show well when he was the number one it's interesting that his best season came as a number two alongside antonio brown who was the number one receiver that year um 
and uh, and the fact that he could thrive in that environment, pretty incredible, and we may not see it again. But this does give him and fantasy managers, especially savvy fantasy managers who've been holding on to Juju, waiting to see what would happen. This is a pretty ideal situation at the moment. We just have to see how it's going to play out. I do find it fascinating also that in recent years, at least in the Mahomes era, I can't think of a receiver that they have signed who's worked out. Um, it's either through the draft or as an undrafted free agent um, uh, that they've acquired all of their talent. And that's true on the, on the running back uh, core too. But if you look at, you know, the Sammy Watkins experiment and the Josh Gordon experiment and others, you know, those could be outliers because of the players they are. They were once great and they are not anymore. Uh, and so they're trying to latch on and play some role. But it will be interesting to see how Juju meshes with Mahomes and this offense. Um, what about Travis Kelsey? He is now 32. He's actually officially the same age as Rob Gronkowski, which sounds uh, bizarre, but it's true. And uh, and Kelsey has a lot of mileage. Uh, you know, Gronk has uh, you know retired once, uh, had major injury woes. There's a lot of mileage on Kelsey. We saw what appeared to be a little bit of a post peak last year in this offense. He turned it on late, but for a while in fantasy circles, he was more of a low end TE one. And so the question is, with Hill leaving, does this buy Kelsey more time as an elite TE one? Or uh, is it just going to be a matter of Mahomes is still going to go to other guys and Kelsey's continue, you know, is going to continue to decline ever so slightly uh, and, and perhaps not get the 130, 140 targets uh, that he got last year? Travis Kelsey is a very interesting case right now. Last season, he still finished as, as an elite tight end one, but he only averaged 16.6 PPR points per game. The year before, he was at 20.8. Now, 20.8. That gets him in that first round. If he's 16, even if he's the tight end one in that 16, 17 range, that's not good enough to justify going that high. And he actually has been in that range for two out of the past three years. He was 18.5 back in 2018. That was, I believe, his second high. So he's always at the top, but how much at the top is he? How much better is he than the average tight end streamer? Now he's, he's going to turn 33 years old during the early part of the season. Now tight ends, of course, can play more effectively into their 30s than receivers and running backs. But there certainly needs to be a little bit of a concern of a possible drop-off, and now he doesn't have Tyree Kill. And remember, Travis Kelsey's ascent to this elite tight end one, it, co it, it, co it coincided with Tyree Kill's rise as the team's wide receiver one. Uh, so without Tyree Kill there, defenses can focus in on stopping Kelsey, and we could be looking at some more weeks he had like last season where he kind of just disappeared at times. I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to pull this up quickly. I know we're doing all this on the fly now. So, so it's it's uh, it's tough to have everything prepared because this just happened. But Travis Kelsey had two weeks last year where he had three catches for 27 yards, another week with four for 23, another week four for 27. Uh, these these are just not numbers you've come to expect from Travis Kelsey. And I, and I, but I, I hope that he can maintain that elite level of production. But I think there's some concern that he's a little more of like a, just a top three tight end than that dominant force we've seen for the past half decade. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you on that. And I was glancing at his stats earlier because I really wanted to better understand uh, this was a Kansas City team that was fighting for their playoff lives uh, earlier in the season when they started, I think, three and four. Um, this was not the normal dominant 
kind of team. And I know they leaned on Kelsey early in the season uh, pretty heavily. And then it was more sporadic during the season. They went on that big win streak. And he was more hit or miss. He was more situational. I know he came on very strong in that incredible game against the Chargers, which, you know, every game can inflate or deflate people's statistics. So it's no knock on Kelsey or fantasy managers who drafted Kelsey to say, well, that was just one case. But we saw that was a case where Mahomes needed a miracle and he went to Kelsey and Kelsey delivered. Um, The question is going to become how much more is this team going to be looking to Kelsey? Is this a team that uh, essentially is going to need Kelsey to step up to fill the hole left by the absence of Hill just to be able to win games? Um, Because we, when uh, uh, last year, when Kelsey was uh, in terms of, you know, trailing versus leading, um, he got a plurality of his yards trailing. So he got almost 500 yards while he was trailing. He got his most touchdowns when he was trailing. He easily got the most first downs. His catch rate was the highest. Everything, all the metrics, his receptions, everything was the highest when the team was trailing. And so if, if the Chiefs in a very tough division now, uh, relative to what it was last year, not just the Chargers to contend with, but the Raiders and the Broncos. These are going to be tough games, potentially very high-scoring games. You could see a lot of games with the Chiefs where they need 35-plus points to win. Um, Kelsey becomes an even more intriguing uh, potential buy low. If you can buy low on a 32-year-old you know, elite tight end, there is a path where Kelsey is the guy who steps up when the Chiefs need him most, rather than just being the guy who steps up in the first half. And then as the team pulls away, he takes a back seat, uh, you know, a, a little bit more than he would have if they were fighting in the fourth quarter. Um, and so that's, that is something to think about. Again, it is too early, um, but we have to understand that, you know, based on some of the numbers, uh, Kelsey is someone who, if you're if you're drafting him, you're hoping the Chiefs are a ten and seven team that's really gutting it out uh, for every game and playing right up to the last week to try to make the playoffs. Um, Cats, what do you think about uh, uh, is, is Michael Hardman at all useful, uh, or do you see him pretty much topped out from where he was last year? Nah, I've never been a McCall Hardman guy. I just he's he's a wide receiver three four. They drafted him only because. Before, right before that draft, the news broke about Tyreek Hill's altercation with his then fiance, and there was a, there was concern that he might get suspended for the season. They needed to do their best to try and find an adequate replacement. And the reality is, nobody is Tyreek Hill. There was nobody that can replace him. And even when Harbin has gotten a chance to kind of shine as the main guy, it's just it's it's never worked out that way. Uh, he's never going to be a reliable fantasy asset. He's a guy that has a spike leak. You pick him up, maybe you start him, and you realize, oh wait, he's just a streamer. He ended up on waiver wire on waiver wires by the end of last season. So I'm I'm not I'm not interested in McCall Hardman. Cool. This is a big the last question I'll ask about is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he's losing uh this offseason, his number one wideout, uh, his number three wideout in Pringle, and now his number four wideout in Demarcus Robinson. Um, this is definitely going to be a very different passing attack. Maybe statistically, Mahomes might not lose much. Um uh, but this is going to be a very different offense. So, uh, you know, Mahomes remains an elite or at worst a near elite fantasy quarterback. The big question becomes, 
is he top two or top three off the board or is he top four to top six off the board and uh cats you can humor me here and the rest of uh, us listening what are your thoughts in terms of the most realistic outcome for Mahomes given those two scenarios I'm a little worried I have to say I'm, I'm a little bit worried Patrick Mahomes will always give his team a chance to win he's always going to be an elite quarterback uh, but we've seen even the best quarterbacks struggle when they don't have receivers. We saw it a little bit in the Super Bowl when Matthew Stafford lost Odell Beckham. They didn't have Tyler Higby. Robert Woods was already gone. It was Cooper Cup, and then it was a bunch of guys who really shouldn't be on NFL fields. And you saw that they almost lost lost that game to the Bengals because they just couldn't move the ball after, or as effectively after Beckham went down. We saw the same thing happen with Tom Brady when they lost uh, Chris Godwin. And Antonio Brown left the team, and then Mike Evans got hurt in game. Tom Brady's thrown to Tyler Johnson and and Cyril Grayson and Brashad Perriman, and, and it didn't work. As great as Brady is, if the if your receivers can't get open or can't catch the ball, it doesn't work. Mahomes will still have Kelsey. As as much as I may have criticized Juju not being a wide receiver one, he's still a very good wide receiver two. And if they can get him wide receiver one, Juju will still be reliable in that role. But if they if they're relying on McCole Hardman. Or like last year when they had to deal with Demarcus Robinson in a prominent role. I know he's with the Raiders now. Or um, or even Brian Pringle, who emerged as a somewhat reliable option later in the season. This That's just, it's not good enough to make Mahomes that same elite fantasy force we're accustomed to seeing. Last season, 21.8 fantasy points per game. And he was the QB5. And this is somebody that we, that's, that's ranked as the QB1 almost every year. Can he be that difference maker, the guy that you take in the third or fourth round? Not that you should, but the guy that's where he goes. I, I I don't know. It depends on what they do at receiver. But right now, if things if, if it's just Juju, a rookie, and Kelsey, I'm not going to have Mahomes probably in that top two or three. Well, well, I don't disagree with you. And that's uh, another way to say that is I agree with you. Um, uh, Mahomes definitely looked uh, rattled at times last year before the Chiefs finally got going uh, with their backs against the wall. And it seemed that, um, uh, it seemed that Tom Brady led uh, teams in the Super Bowl do that to opposing quarterbacks. Um, opposing quarterbacks are never quite the same uh, after they face uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You can look that up. I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct on that, but in recent years, that has been the case. Um, and uh, Mahomes was making what looked like mental mistakes that he wouldn't normally make um, early, middle of last season. Um, and is he going to be able to step into a role where there's Kelsey and then, you know, Hardman and then a bunch of new faces? And is he going to be able to connect with them the way he connected uh, with his uh, 2020 group, which had grown up with him on the Chiefs? Essentially, they'd been playing together for years. I've mentioned this before uh, that uh, maybe on this podcast that uh, uh, last season, at a certain point last season, the top nine offensive weapons on the Chiefs had all played their entire NFL careers uh, with the Chiefs. It was a very unusual situation, especially for a modern-day team, especially for a championship-caliber team, to have all of this homegrown talent all playing together, from the backfield to the receiving core to Mahomes. And now you have a case where there's upheaval uh, in the receiving uh, game, and it might take time for Mahomes to really figure out how to navigate this this offense with a lot of these new faces. Let, and and down the line, 
arguably less talented. You know, Juju's not going to have uh, Hill's talent. Uh, it's arguable that whoever they, they bring in, uh, if they you know bring in a receiver in the draft, uh, might not bring the stability of a Byron Pringle, at least in the first few weeks. I mean, it takes a while sometimes for rookie receivers to get going, especially if that rookie receiver is used to dominating in college and now steps into a role where they might not be better than the number three or number four option in week one, um, that takes some adjusting. And so uh, Mahomes is now a risky elite quarterback rather than someone you definitely want to take a chance on. He is someone that is more in the top five to seven range. And he could, and, and, and if anyone out there thinks, well, that's ridiculous, it's Patrick Mahomes. You look at Josh Allen, Tom Brady, uh, Justin Herbert. Does Kyler Murray uh, rebound to the elite levels that we've seen in the past? Um, does Matthew Stafford with Allen Robinson take another step forward as we've seen briefly in his career before, but now he has all the weapons he'll ever need and become a top five, top six, top seven quarterback? Uh, does Lamar Jackson snap back? Uh, what about Joe Burrow? You know, so there are eight or nine or 10 quarterbacks at least who could make a play to be top four in this season. And what makes Mahomes more likely than any of them to be top four? That's the question that people need to be asking themselves. And that's why it might be better to wait and take whoever's left at eight through 10, uh, than reach for someone at four or five, because you just don't know if four or five is going to be better value than eight, nine or 10 cats. I'll give you the last word. Any final thoughts? I think we covered it all. There's a lot of moving parts here. There's still a lot we need to assess and really take time to evaluate. This is obviously our first initial reactions. We've just seen this happen. There are still things that are going to change. Uh, we have the NFL draft. We still have the Chiefs undoubtedly looking to sign another receiver. They may sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That, that, that's something that, that could happen, and what his value would be will depend on what they do in the draft. So we need to just uh, take our time, figure out how this impacts fantasy right now, and then also – figure out what's going to happen down the line and then react as the news comes in. So uh, that's a long winded way of saying that I think we covered it all. Fantastic. Well, cats, uh, that is the last word. Then we have covered it all folks and there will be more to cover day by day, week by week, month by month, as we all know. Uh, but we wanted to jump on here and give you uh, an initial assessment, especially those of you in dynasty leagues who really are, are thinking about making decisions based on this news. There's always the risks involved of, who else might the Chiefs sign or draft? And uh, uh, essentially, can we buy into some of the hype that goes around the internet? And what I love to do is I sell on the hype uh, and I buy on the lull. Uh, I buy on, on when people start uh, underestimating a player. That's a great time to buy. So uh, this is a great time because there's a lot of moving parts. That's often a great time to take chances, well-thought-out chances. Uh, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. In the meantime, again, I'm BJ Rudell. With me, Jason Katz, better known as Katz, Pro Football Network. Find us at profootballnetwork.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow.